everyone and welcome to CFL special edition of the 99 Yards podcast. I'm your host Lisbon Dari and joining me right now is our very own CFL expert Chris Launton and all the way from Saskatchewan in Canada, Stephen from the Piffles podcast. How is everyone? I'm really good, thank you. And you? Good. How are you, Stephen? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Awesome. So I'm going to kick us off what is, uh, well, well, it's probably a ridiculous question, uh, so apologies. But for those who are listening to this, kind of like me, don't know too much about CFL just yet, um, what are the main differences between this and the NFL? What is it that fans should be kind of looking out for? You know, when you look at the main differences between the two, uh, the obvious ones are the uh, the field size. The CFL field is wider, longer. Uh, end zones are longer, which makes for a lot more exciting plays uh, inside the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, CFL plays with three downs instead of four, which makes it a lot more of a passing league than uh, than the run and gun in the NFL. Um, and then there's the the single point for failure is the biggest uh, rule difference in my in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> a single point for the what what you would see as a touchback in the NFL. The rouge. The rouge, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Chris, you've written about CFL for 99 Yards for a long time and for um, my website, NFL Girl UK, prior to that. How did you get into the sport and do you have a team? I'm actually a fan of the Miami Dolphins and um, I kind of got into it through Cameron Wake arriving on the Dolphins. And I was Fascinated by his background, where he came from. He'd been for, uh, with the BC Lions, and I kind of looked at his background, seeing he'd been big in the um, CFL, so I went off to see more about him, and then found out it was getting shown on BT Sport over here, started watching it, got absolutely hooked. I, I love it. Like uh, Stephen was saying, it's a more of a passing game, and there's more action near the end zone. It doesn't tighten up near the end zone as much, so you've got more chance of high scoring and you've got more chance of exciting finishes. Or That's how it seems to me, anyway. Ah. And Stephen, how about you? How did you get into the game and your team? Is it basically something that you grew up with? Uh, absolutely. If you live in Saskatchewan here, you're basically born and bred a, a Rough Rider fan. Um, it's you, you go outside in the streets, pretty much everyone wears green on game day. It's uh, it's a part of our of our provincial heritage here. I've been following it as long as as I as long as I can remember, really. That's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you down, Stephen, by being an Argos fan, but that's just the <laughs> it went really. Just you just picked a team at random when you've not got the heritage like that. There's nothing wrong with that. They they need all the fans they can get. <laughs> I certainly need a few more to attend the home games. That's for sure. Definitely. <laughs> At least I didn't say blue bombers, eh? <laughs> yeah, I might have hung up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I remember my kind of first recollection of hearing about the CFL was um, it's a couple of years ago when the Seahawks snapped up Brandon Browner. Um, is that normal for like NFL to basically come and pick up good players halfway through the season? You know, you don't see it a lot during the season. Well, you don't see it at all during the season. But uh, at the end of the CFL season and as you get past free agency, you do start to see a lot of uh, CFL players at least get a kick down south. There's there's not a lot that stick like uh, like Brandon Browner and Cameron Rake who've, who made careers down south. But uh, you're seeing a lot more over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, players at least get those training camp invites and and a real shot at camp. 
you often see players bounce back as well, though, don't you? Like your Devere Poses and your Adam Big Hills, they they kind of get a shot, but they end up back in the CFL. And do you think that's because it's a different skill set for the CFL? Absolutely. The same reason why you see some of those uh, those first round and NCAA draft picks who uh, who burn out and come out to the CFL and don't amount to much either. They're two yeah. very different games. Um, there, there are some players, like I mentioned, Cameron Wake, Wake, who's been a beast in both leagues, who who can do both and do them well, but some people are just built perfectly for the CFL and can burn the league nonstop and and yeah. head down south and it's just they just don't don't do it. I always kind of feel for the defensive backs in the CFL. I feel like they've got a, a much bigger area to cover. Um, a bigger area to cover and you factor in the, the waggle, the running start. Uh, I don't know how they do it. I, I sure yeah. as I couldn't. I know talking to people over here, that's the biggest thing they've had They've had trouble adjusting with is all the pre-snap movement. So when they go from watching NFL, which has been big here for a few years now, and you go to watching CFL and you see all the pre-snap movement of every moving back, it tends to really confuse people. Yeah, it definitely, definitely takes getting uh, getting used to, that's for sure. So the new CFL season um, kicks off uh, later on this week. Chris, do you want to tell our audience more on kind of what to expect and what's been happening? Yeah, so it's a, a new era for the CFL, which is a bit of a terrible pun because new era have just kitted out each of the new of the teams with a new look. Um, <laughs> but it's also a new t- era because we've got a new collective bargaining agreement in place, and there have been some key moves during the off season. Players, some key players have moved between teams. Okay. First, though, I should tell you some brief news. On the eve of this season, the Montreal Alouettes have sacked head coach Mike Sherman. Uh, the Owls haven't had a winning season since 2012 and are on their eighth coaching change since 2013. So, coupled with being owned by the league and seeking new ownership, it's looking like it could be another long season for their fans. Do you have any thoughts on that, Stephen? Do you have any sympathy for the Owls fans? You know, I, I've been lucky enough to, to grow up mostly in the era where they've been back. Uh, they came back in 96, I want to say, uh, after the Stallions uh, of Baltimore left again. Um, I they, they had it good for a long time when Calvillo was leading the roster and they were winning nonstop and the fans were out and they never prepared for the future. And it's, it's really hard to feel sorry for an organization that didn't prepare. But the fans that have stuck around are some of the greatest fans in the league. They're good. They're good folks. They deserve a whole lot better than what uh, ownership has given to them. And I mean, there is the, the bonus this year. They didn't fold before the first week. Like they did. Uh, was it um, in 87? I think it was. Is that uh, when they, yeah, they uh, almost the same situation. League took over and then they folded uh, right before week one of the CFL season. So they're already one step ahead of the game this time. Yeah, you do worry. You just see the stories, and you're thinking, "Oh, oh no, it's it's like, is it repeating itself to start off with?" But hopefully not. No, and the, the CFL can't afford to lose uh, a, a team in one of their bigger cities. They need uh, they need to expand, not you know contract. That's the last thing that they need. So I'm hoping that they get good ownership, and it seems like the league is is heading in the right direction. They're they're working on an, an ownership group, um, but. Until that that comes to fruition, we just got to hope that they can tread water long enough to stick around. Well, fingers crossed for them and their fans, then. (laughs) So, as a fan of the Rough Riders, then, Stephen, do you think that you can contend this year? Who do you think the contenders are for the league this year? You know, I'm I'm an eternal optimist. When you grow up as a Rider fan, we've got four Grey Cups in 100-plus years. 
I always think we're a contending team. Uh, it, it, we, I should know better by now, but <laughs> you know, they, they've got arguably the best defense in the league this year, uh, right up there with Winnipeg's. They've got an improved offense. I don't see why not. Uh, it all depends on the the health of their starting quarterback, and he's got a history as uh, Zach Claros of uh, uh, of injuries, unfortunately. Um, if I had to pick a contender right now, the as much as I hate to say it, the team that looks the best right now is either the the Stampeders because they are always at the top, and no matter how who they lose, they seem to uh, they seem to improve year after year. Um, but on the flip side, it, I would I would look at Winnipeg. You know, I, yeah. they have a good chance of ending their 29-year drought of Grey Cup titles. Uh, they've got a good team. They've got a good team that came back, so they've got the consistency right off the start. They're looking good. I think you just wanted to say 29-year drought. <laughs> I, I never mind. Uh, I never <laughs> mind throwing that in there. Although, yeah, I agree. With you. They they do have a good team, and they they've managed to keep most of their team in place, haven't they? So they've got the consistency. And that's just it. You look at the West, almost every team other than them in Saskatchewan, well, every team uh, swapped their starting quarterback. There's been coaching changes. They stayed mostly consistent and improved an already good defense by uh, by poaching Willie Jefferson from us. So, I mean, they they do look good. Yeah, And that's, you, that's almost blasphemy here. You did replace Willie Jefferson, though, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. I we. We got uh, Micah Johnson from Calgary, who uh, is an absolutely dominant defensive tackle, and uh, will will make an already scary D line better this year. Which I, when I you lose say, one of the best players in the league and get better, that's that's a good sign. <laughs> and you've got Charleston Hughes off the edge, so the pair of them should be a nightmare for opposing quarterbacks. I'm thinking playing you guys this year. Yeah, and then add in uh, AC Leonard, the Eastern. Uh, all-star at defensive end on the other side. Uh-huh. They're uh, they're looking all right. I mean, you had a great deal last year. It's it's all down to whether, like you said earlier, whether you can keep Zach upright. So as long as you've got the protection for him, you've got a chance, I guess. And and that's just it. I mean, every team in the league, there's there's a lot of question marks at that second uh, quarterback spot across the league. So that's not really a big difference with us. It's just our our quarterback is a lot less uh, prone to staying healthy. I, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he had that horrible, horrible hit last year. I mean, oh, he took he took a couple near the end of the year. I'm I'm surprised he came back. To yeah. to be completely honest with you, there was a lot of questions whether he would continue his career after was it three or four concussions in a in a season. I mean, that's that's not good, and that's not good on your future. So you've talked about um, the teams that you think could do well. Is it too early to start talking about who the contenders are for most outstanding player? It's never too early to start thinking about it, um, <laughs> but you never know how it's going to go once the season opens up. What do you think, Stephen? You, you know, the biggest guys that you're going to look at are always going to be quarterbacks. It's It seems to be a quarterback-driven league. you got your Mike Rileys, your Bo Levi Mitchells, um, your Trevor Harris in Edmonton. I would actually throw my name behind Jeremiah Masoli as my dark horse early pick to uh, to win the MVP this year, mostly because he's kept most of the same offense. He's stuck with his original team. He's going to have that consistency right off the bat for 18 games. Um, he, he'd be the easy pick. Yeah, and I also, it's kind of like with Winnipeg, like you were saying earlier, Hamilton have got consistency from year to year that, like the other teams in their division, haven't got. You would possibly make them favourites early on for the East, do you think? 
Oh, absolutely. And you and you look at it from from their standpoint. They're also playing in a very weak Eastern division, <laughs> which gives them a, a leg up on uh, on the MVP award too, because he's going to be able to put up some pretty scary numbers playing against the the Montreal's and the Toronto's. Uh, you don't think the loss of June Jones could uh, affect his, you know, because they had the run shoes and he, he improved over the last year under June Jones and June's gone now. You don't think that will affect him or do you think he's developed enough to keep going now? I think he's developed enough and I think they actually managed to improve uh, their coaching staff by by promoting Orlando Steinhauer, who a lot of people think it was has always been the next guy to uh, to get that coaching opportunity. Um I, there is a possibility he might uh, he might falter in a different offense, but he's got all of the skills and tools to uh, to run near on any offense that this league could throw at him. Um, he just needed the year to show to prove himself. Outside of the quarterbacks, do you think anybody else would have a chance, like you know Andrew Harris or somebody like that? You know, there's always the opportunity that a guy like like you mentioned, Andrew Harris, goes off and does his 1,000 rushing, 1,000 receiving. Um, but if you look back over the last, you know. 15, 20 years, you can count on one hand the number of non-quarterbacks uh, who have won the most outstanding player. You know, a couple of receivers, a running back, and one one linebacker in that time frame. If you had to pick somebody not as a quarterback, Andrew Harris is the obvious choice. Um, if you want another dark horse, I'd look at William Powell in the, as the running back out of Saskatchewan. He's got a good chance at uh, at being a focal point of of the riders offense as well i mean statistically ottawa were always more successful when he was more successful and if you want to keep <laughs> keep zach upright and, and balance your offense then he could be the way to go exactly now fantasy football is huge when it comes to nfl um is there a big market for fantasy football in the cfl it, it's starting to push that way. You're starting to see some of those uh, fantasy podcasts. You're starting to see the, the write-ups. It's not quite as big where we have the the magazine market like you see with the NFL where there's 15 different companies putting out 90-page you know, <laughs> books and magazines. It'll never get that big again. You're looking at a smaller league, eight teams. It's a lot harder to get a big group of people together. Um, but the CFL is starting to push. Like The league itself has their, um, their pick'em and their CFL fantasy contests, which are are popular amongst fans but from a yeah and i i'm definitely in there as well but you don't get that that gambling side of it that you do as much with the nfl there's a little bit on DraftKings, um Mm. but for the most part it's it's very um low lowly lowly attended and our good friend jeff reinbold um he's now with the hamilton ticats um what can you tell us about their prospects well, uh, as we were saying earlier, I think they're probably going to be favourites for the East because they've had the consistency over the last year, keeping most of their team together. And also just because the East is the weaker of the two divisions, they they have the easier route through to the playoffs, probably. And then if they get through as the East division winners, they've got an easier route towards the Grey Cup. So they this could be a good chance for them. It's not often I get to speak to others about the CFL, so I can't let you go without asking you in a bit more detail about the Riders' upcoming season. Pre-season's over, CFL cut-down day has been and gone. Were you surprised by any of the departures or any of the players that were capped in Saskatchewan? You know, to be honest with you, after after going through the, the Chris Jones-led cut-down days over the last couple of years <laughs> where, we, where we saw a lot of fan favourites walk out the door, this was a really quiet 
Uh, cut down date. The only real big name that that came to mind was Cresdon Butler, and he just lost his spot by, by getting outplayed by Solomon Means. I mean, he was uh, in his thirties. That's that's going to happen with a defensive back. Outside of that, there there was no real shocks. And Isaac Harker making the roster as a as our third string quarterback was uh, was good to see, and it led to David Watford being cut. But I mean, again, you're talking third string quarterback as a it's kind of hard to get surprised at that kind of cut you mentioned chris jones and you've had a changing coach coming into this year um last year the riders struggled on offense but you've got the new coach you've got zach back do you think you can have success in offense this year i i don't know it, it's really hard i mean yes chris jones is gone but stephen mcadoo is still here and he seems to be a very jekyll and hyde type offensive coordinator you go back to two years ago we we led the uh, the cfl in offense we had three thousand yard receivers and we had a great offensive scheme then you flip back to last year and we went to the the dink and dunk offense that that craig Dick, uh, dickinson says we're going to continue with this year Oh, does he? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, he came out. I mean, I, I love the guy. Unlike Chris Jones, Craig Dickinson tells it like it is. He's he's not hiding behind anything. If he has an answer to a question, he's going to tell you. And he told out, he was asked if we were going to continue to see that driving mentality. And, and that's what he said was, yes, you can expect to see these these long, drawn-out drives as opposed to you know, going deep on, uh, on a regular basis like some teams like to. With with Caleros, that's kind of the best option. He's a game manager, and they've improved the players around him on offense. Adding William Powell, um, adding Emmanuel Arsenault out of uh, BC when he gets healthy, they, they've made changes. I just don't know if it's enough yet. The first, the second preseason game gave us a good glimpse that maybe it is, but I'd like to see that for more than one game before I get too uh, too excited. Coming off the back of one point in the first preseason game, but that was really just a just a, a rubbish game, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, we sent we sent about two of our starters, and uh, one thing that you can learn about the, the Riders, we have won three preseason games over the last eleven years. Uh, so I mean, that's we're three and nineteen. It's almost so, like you don't think it's the serious business. Yeah, no, they they've always used it as player evaluation. The score never matters. I mean. We've won two Grey Cups, and I guess we've won one and been in two in that time frame. So, I mean, it's working. Fair enough. That's the way around you'd want it to be. Yeah, I'd rather it work in the preseason. I mean, look at the Detroit Lions. They went 4-0 and in the preseason and 0-16 in the regular season, right? It's, it's when the lights come on that it really matters. Absolutely. Um, just as an aside with Zach and the offense and everything, there was a lot of player movement in the offseason and there was very briefly a kind of a link between Bo Levi Mitchell and Toronto and yourselves. Did you ever think that he would sign there or did you just think it was a leverage move for him to get more money in Calgary? You know, and Calgary fans aren't going to like to hear this, that signing was a lot closer than anybody really really knows. Um, we, we've heard that he was in Regina and was very close to Putting putting his signature on a contract, and uh, I'm not sure what it was that uh, got him to change his mind, but he did end up taking uh, quite a bit less in Calgary, about $125,000 less per year. So something must have spooked him, but he uh, he was very close to being a, a member of the Riders. 
can just imagine the excitement in Saskatchewan if he had some. <laughs> it would have been really as a as a as a podcaster and somebody who has to watch from the outside. Sometimes it would have been great to watch fans have to flip flop on him. I mean, we've always been very, very pro Bolivar Mitchell on our show. He's a great quarterback. It was hard. You can't argue that. But Even fans hate him. What's that? Even though he plays for Calgary. Yeah, you, you can't argue with his success. I mean, he uh, all he does is win. But uh, fans hate him. And I get it. He's he's the enemy at, uh, you know, for the the best team in the league right now. But, uh, yeah, the, the eating crow and the flipping sides would have been great to watch and uh, – and report on, but alas, we uh, we didn't get that. So on a broader note, for fans on this side of the pond, it's been really interesting to see the whole CFL 2.0 initiative going, to see the global players coming in. We've seen European players moving to the teams. Uh, how are you viewing that from a Canadian perspective? You know, we I got to, the chance to sit down and talk to Commissioner Ambrosi about his plan when he was in Regina, and he's going about it the right way. It's really exciting to see the league try and change that narrative of being the little brother to the NFL instead of the way that they're wanting to look at it now, where we're, we're the second biggest football league in the world. And there are, there are something like 30 professional football leagues. And instead of looking at the, at the CFL as being one out of two, they're trying to look at it as being two out of 30. And seeing these guys, we, the story that I like to look at is Max Zimmerman uh, came from the German League uh, to the Riders, and he quit his job as a teacher in Germany to take a chance to come out here and, and play professional football. And he made the roster last week. Yeah, I, I mean, saw that. I was really excited for him. He came from the Potsdam Royals, I think, in the JFL. The JFL <laughs> is clearly the the strongest league in Europe. You can tell because something like six of the European players came from it that got signed on, uh, you know, got to camps or whatever. Uh, I think the Argos have kept one of their GFL players as well. So it'd be really interesting to see what they do with them, if they get any playing time, what comes out of it. Well, and the league has mandated that players or the teams have to put one European or CFL 2.0 player, you know, on their on their 45-game roster or 45-man roster. And it's a great way to try and get that relationship going between the the CFL and the other professional leagues to try and get that player movement. And it can only mean good things. And I, I mean, want to see what these guys really show up. I mean, from a European perspective, it's really great to see European players making it over there. But I did wonder very briefly when the CBA was being discussed and everything, whether it would be a sticking point for some of the players because the whole um, ratio issue might have come up. And, and that was a big concern on, uh, on a lot of fans' minds before the, before the, C- the CBA came out. It sounds like it didn't amount to much during conversation, that it was pretty quickly agreed to, probably because it was really easy. They added a roster spot and mandated that it had to be minimum, a CFL league minimum. So there was no hashing on adding players or cutting a spot or anything like that. It was just, you got to have one, he's going to get this much, let's move on. So they, they, they went about it right. Yep, sounds good to me. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you coming into this year is it looks like the West Division is going to be a lot tougher than the East again. Do you think there's any chance of that changing anytime soon, or is we just in a cycle where the West is just going to be stronger for years to come? I, I mean, as long as we keep seeing guys like Trevor Harris leave the, the Eastern Division and join an already difficult Western Division, we're, we're not going to see the East really bounce back. Uh, 
they they need to grow as a group and i don't know what it is i don't know if it's scouting if it's free agency what it is that has players not seeming to be interested in joining those teams maybe it's the challenge i i don't see it changing for the next couple of years but this is a cfl where rosters change seemingly overnight it's just all five teams in the west look strong and you've got one maybe two eastern teams that look like they could contend you know we've had how many straight um crossovers oh yeah i and and we're gonna get one again this year i would put money on that with without even uh getting through week one i mean teams could surprise me but i just don't see it I would agree with you. I don't think, well, you know, Montreal aren't. I think Ottawa are going to struggle this year. And Toronto could be okay. Fingers crossed for me. But, yeah, I think the West's a lot stronger. I, I wonder from what you were saying there, whether some of it might be that you've got a short career. If you want to challenge for a championship or something, maybe you'll go for a stronger team. And that definitely could be a part of it. You know, you look at the teams that are already succeeding. Of course, you're going to want to join, join those and try and, and get that ring. I, I don't know what it's going to take. I hope it happens because the league is better when you've got seven, eight, or nine teams that are competing week in and re- week out. Right now, you have six, maybe. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, but, you know, uh, parity is what every league is kind of aiming for in the long run. So we'll we'll see if it's just a cycle or if it just keeps going. Yeah, and on, on the flip side, if you look over the last, what, 12 years, other than uh, Hamilton and... Uh, uh, Winnipeg. Every team has won a great cup. So I mean, when it gets to once you get past the the playoffs, so it's, that top Eastern team is competing with whoever comes out of the West on a regular basis. It's just regular season seems to be where uh, yeah, where they're bouncing. I I do worry that fans in the West could see that as kind of unfair because the Eastern team often gets <laughs> through, and then the Western team's got to do a crossover, get further, you know, and the Eastern team feels like they've got an advantage going in sometimes in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. You had, uh, what was it, two years ago, you had Ottawa at 8, 9, and 1 with a, with a home playoff game. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it, it is what it is. It, it's not going to last forever, and there's going to be years down the line where it's going to be flipped in reverse. I mean, there, I have no doubts on that. There's always going to be a stronger division. Um, it's just the Eastern Division's time right now. Yeah, I mean, some people talk about doing a... a uh, like a ladder league and the top six teams coming through whichever side they're from but i think you'd lose some of the tradition wouldn't you if you did it that way absolutely and plus you you got to look at it from a from a tv broadcasting standpoint the T- tsn doesn't want to put a riders versus bc lions or calgary versus bc lions or edmonton or whatnot they don't want two western teams going at it for the uh for the league title it's uh it's better for business if they have that east east versus west, so you can at least get the the TV audience out east. Okay, well, I've got one last question for you, if that's okay, Stephen. Uh, well, one last opportunity, if you like. <laughs> this is your chance to pitch to the UK audience for the 2019 season. I mean, I'm a lost cause. I'm an Argos fan, but could you tell the rest of the UK fans why they should follow your team? Why should they be a fan of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? <laughs> well, for one, I mentioned we have four four titles in 100 and five plus years so you're not going to be joining a bandwagon team nobody's gonna no nobody's gonna accuse you of that we we've won 
we've won. We've won not near enough. And, and you'll hear that nonstop if you decide to be a Ryder fan at uh, the, the four and on 100. Just like we do with Bombers in their, you know, 29 years. And yes, yeah. I had to throw that in there again. Yeah, you mentioned uh, it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, as many times as I can, I'll tell you right now. No, um, you're not going to find a more passionate fan base. Um, my my favorite thing about being a Ryder fan is wearing my jersey when I travel. Uh, I went to Orlando last year and I was sitting uh, uh, waiting for a bus, sitting there in my Ryder jersey, and all I hear from you know 20 feet behind me is "Go Riders," and it happens all over the world. There's stories of of fans everywhere in the world where they'll he- they'll meet up with somebody just because they're wearing the the Ryder S uh, on their on their jersey. It's it's just it's the most it's the it's the largest fan base. It's the most passionate fan base, and there's no better stadium in the CFL right now than Mosaic Stadium. I know I, I know I've seen some games of other sports where I've seen Ryder fans in the crowd, so I, I can definitely attest <laughs> to that. I know I interact with some Ryder fans online, and they tend to be very welcoming, even if you're not a Ryder fan. So I will I will give you that. <laughs> that's that's the prairie nature. We we love everybody. It, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's how we were born. Even if you like the Bombers, we'll, we'll still – we'll be nice to you. <laughs> Maybe that's a pity thing. We're not sure, but <laughs> – um, Well, Stephen, this has been superb, so thank you so much for joining us. Um, where can our listeners find you and your podcast? Uh, you'll find us everywhere that you do the podcast, searching uh, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, all those things. Just search out Piffles Podcast. Um, we got a website, pipplespodcast.com, where we try to bring as much CFL and Rider news as we can. Um, and if you're looking for me specifically, I'm on Twitter at Safamod. Awesome. Do you want to spell that out in case people <laughs> can't figure it out? <laughs> that, I can definitely do that. It's a, uh, a, at S-A-F-I-M-O-D. Awesome. Well, that's all for this week's show. Um, As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics we've discussed. And of course, any feedback you may have, you can tweet us at 99yards. Also, if you're a regular listener and you enjoy our show, we'd love you to leave us a star review via Apple Podcasts or the provider that you're listening to us through. Thanks for listening. breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. and pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wow, that's pretty cool. But those glasses kind of make you look like your Uncle Bob. Oh, not exactly the look I was going for. Um, okay, how about these clear glasses? Oh, or these round ones? Very on trend. I like both on you. You know, I also like these aviator sunglasses. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenny.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95.